Welcome on into the 23 Podcast. I'm Cam, that's Zach. Episode 12, Back from the Holidays Edition. It's been a hot minute, but the 23 is back. It's 2022. Been a few weeks. But Cam, gotta ask you, how are we feeling? It's, it's been it's been a minute. We've been gone. The last time we talked to you all was before the Lehigh game, which of course never happened. It was canceled due to COVID-19 issues within the program. So rescheduled the game. It was then a Brown game and then Cornell and then Virginia. So two wins and a loss since we last talked. A lot to break down, a lot to go over. Mainly looking at this Virginia loss sack, which if you break it down, not really the best loss in the entire world. Pretty, pretty frustrating as far as losses go. Yeah, this one stings a little bit. I mean, obviously, Virginia is a bit down this year. But for some reason, it still does sting quite a bit. We just couldn't get going where we needed to. I I think what hurts the most is we were so close. And there was just too many little mistakes that we should have fixed that we didn't. And ultimately, you know, we lost. So. Yeah, whenever we go up against Virginia, you always have this feeling and kind of the pit of your stomach like, this is going to be a pretty tough game overall. It doesn't really matter how Virginia is overall. It seems like Tony Bennett and his squad really know how to play the zone very well. And we were kind of talking about this before we hit record. We can't really think of the last time that Syracuse beat Virginia in the regular season. Obviously, the big win in the Elite Eight a couple of years ago. But as far as that, Zach, I can't really remember a time that we beat Virginia in the regular season. Tony Bennett is just such a great coach. Yeah, obviously credit to Tony Bennett and their program. They've really had our number the last few years. I think on the broadcast, they beat us like seven out of the eight last meetings. So Virginia, I mean, obviously they're a great team, great program, well coached. And, you know, it's it's obviously they're a great team and this isn't like a huge loss per se. I don't know, like it stings. You do got to give Virginia some credit. They're struggling just like arguably we are. So maybe we're a little bit more evenly matched than than not. We both come into that game seven and five. So maybe it's a little bit more even matched than not. But it, it did feel like at the end of the day, it's a game we quote unquote should have won. It sort of sets the tempo. This game was to set the tempo for ACC play. Obviously, we played Florida State earlier in the year, won against them. But it was so far into the, or it was so far like away from the ACC play now that I feel like we didn't really get ACC play going at that point. So right now we're actually starting ACC play, and to get a loss like that, a loss that kind of was in their hands, they had a couple of opportunities to at least take the lead in some instances, and we'll kind of get to that a little bit later, but to end up kind of coming away with a a loss like this, especially when you look at the stat line, Zach, it's not, it's not pretty in the slightest. Yeah. I mean, it just comes down to, again, a struggling defense. We've seen this time and time again throughout the year and ultimately just too many missed shots that we need to make. That was sort of the headline of the, I guess, bad takeaways of this game was the defense 
And it kind of goes back to what we've been talking about against very good teams, very smart teams, I should say, that have been able to play our defense well. These are teams like Colgate. These are teams like Virginia, like we just saw. Teams that are able to move the ball around and able to carve up this zone as much as they can, they're really exposing the flaws in the 2-3 zone. And in a sense, they're also exposing the flaws, Zach, in our newfound 1-3-1 zone. Yeah, they really are. I mean, Virginia always comes in with a terrific game plan. Tony Bennett said in his press conference that he he comes in, he's played like seven different schemes on, on Syracuse in the last seven years. So he's always drawn up a new plan. He's always figuring out a way to break down the zone. And he's more or less always successful, which is which just hurts. Are you a little bit worried about like our defensive game plan kind of going into sort of the start of ACC play? Do you think that there are certainly gaps that we need to kind of work on? Yeah, it's it's tough. I really thought the one one three was going to be kind of the answer, and we did go to that times, which which worked against like you know lesser teams of Brown and Cornell, and we kind of switched to that, and it kind of gives momentum back, got a few stops, and frazzled the their offense. But even against Virginia, they kind of figured it out like they did against this the traditional two three, and it just it didn't hit the same like it did when we first implemented or when Jim first implemented earlier in the season. So I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of lost here. I'm not sure. I, I think we just got to go back to Jim and, and see if there's anything else you can do. I, I really don't know what you can do here other than see, see what napkin you can pull out from, <laughs> from the trash and see if there's some, <laughs> some other wrinkle he can throw into the zone to give us one extra, I don't know, help. Yeah. I get what you're saying because I was looking for this game to see how the one, the one, one, three, it's what it's a one, three, one, it's a one, one, three. It's something different. It's just a two, three. (laughs) It's, it's the two, three alternate is what we're going to call it now. But I wanted to see how teams like Virginia who have played us consistently over the past couple of years, obviously in ACC play. I wanted to see how they were going to stack up against this, this new zone. And obviously Virginia passed with flying colors. So these next two games against Miami and against Wake Forest, two very good opponents, two very strong opponents this year, they're going to be uh, sort of like la- like test mice for this new zone to see how it's going to work kind of in ACC play down the line. Because like you said, I think that you can get away with this new zone against teams that really aren't too familiar with your two, three in general. It can kind of confuse them a little bit because they've been practicing for this two, three for a couple of weeks or maybe for a week or whatever, however long their practices were, but against teams that you play consistently I would feel like, in theory, it's going to work against those kind of teams. But I feel like Virginia, again, a very smartly coached team, was able to just you know succeed those expectations with flying colors. Yeah, I mean, I really think it comes down to how smart Tony Bennett is and the way he executed his game plan. Was this is this two a T like perfect? And you really got to give credit there. But going forward, like you're saying, an ACC plan or ACC play. 
is this one one three little little shake up gonna be a benefit since you know I guess ACC opponents haven't really seen that. Obviously, they're used to the two three, but are they gonna be used to the one one three look? I mean, obviously, they know we go to that sometimes now. It's we've done it several times, so they're gonna be. I, it's gonna be in the game plan, but it'll be interesting to see if it's successful. And I I really I I'm feeling less confident about it now than I did when it was first implemented. That's for sure. Let's go to the offensive side of the ball for this game. Buddy Bayheim was the star. He had 27 points on 5 of 10 from the 3. He looked great, played all 40 minutes, and just goes to show, Zach, how, how crucial he is to the success of this team because some of the shots that he hit were in such big situations. That man has ice in his veins. Buddy Buckets. Jim mentioned in his presser that Buddy was making impossible shots, and he really was. He was just, he he just he was just, he was in his bag making shots left and right, and he truly carried this team as much as he could. I mean, this is also coming off of two great games against Cornell and the Brown, where he had twenty two and twenty seven, I believe, so or twenty eight, twenty against Brown. So he's coming off great stretch here, and he continues that great stretch against an ACC foe. Jimmy Bayheim was the other star to come out of this one. He ended up having 18 points on the day. He had one of the meanest dunks that I think that we have ever seen. But one big thing, one big flaw that really stood out to everybody, including Jim, was two for eight from the charity stripe. That's just not going to get it done. You need to hit those free throws is what Jim said. Jimmy knows that. He, he knows he needs to make those, which is like good, obviously, but also at the end of the day, he missed them and you know not to say the game was costed because of that but if he makes those six three throws that that changes the game obviously so it, it's huge They're, those are freebies gotta make them free throws matter they do matter but I do want to kind of fall back on that dunk again Zach because I don't think that we can just mention it in passing that man Jimmy Bayheim, Jimmy Buckets if you even want to call it I don't know. Jimmy that doesn't buckets. really have the same. That doesn't really have the same ring to it as Buddy Buckets. But Jimmy B, I was scared when that man came down. That was a scary dunk Dude, on his head. On his yes. head. Yes. That's oh, it was nasty. Po- poster of the year for sure. And like I don't know. We've had some good dunks with like Elijah Hughes and Tyus Battle, but like a true poster. I mean, obviously this wasn't like he didn't jump over anyone, but like. He, he got him on his head, that's for sure. And at the time, it kind of changed the momentum a little bit, gave the team some life. But Jimmy Bayheim, just to give him another bone, because when he came into this year, I knew from watching him at Cornell that he loves to be aggressive. He loves to drive in, create opportunities. But he has really shocked me. And I feel like he shocked you too, Zach, with just how aggressive he can be and how much he just, he just drives in. That man just drives in, doesn't care at all, and just tries to create as many opportunities as he can. Yeah, absolutely. And on top of that aggression, he's he's getting some four offensive rebounds, nine total. Like that's really great aggression that we love to see from our forward position. So to kind of go to our other forward position, Cole Swider bad game he was cold three for 12 from the field eight points seven rebounds 
I think that a lot of his shots came in big situations and that just kind of made his performance seem a little bit worse to the fans, but Cole definitely having a, a cold one in this one. Yeah, he, he had one opportunity at the end to tie it, I believe, and obviously couldn't make it happen. And this is even more disappointing because he did finally f- find his shooting stroke and he had a great outing against Brown where he had 13 points, three for three from the line, from or from the three-point line, which is great. This is the first time he's ever had a decent percentage shooting from the three besides exhibition play. And he continued that three for five against Cornell. Shooting super well, and obviously this game did not shoot that well. So it's it's a, it's a big disappointment after sh- after seemingly finding his stride. But I do like to see his confidence and still continue to shoot the ball, even though he struggled. He is still Captain Cole, after all. He did still show some glimpses of leadership and responsibility. I think if we were to probably win this game, his performance might be sort of scribbled out or it might be a little bit more hidden. But when you look at everybody shooting, when you look at some of the shots that he took and missed inevitably, it's not, you know, it's going to stick out like a sore thumb. I don't think that a lot of people were really giving him credit for like his seven rebounds. Um, He ended up, I, I don't know. I think I look at his, his overall performance and Expect a little bit more out of Cole. Actually expect a lot more out of Cole because we've seen it. But I feel like I'm not too worried yet, Zach. I feel like Cole can easily bounce back from this. And we've seen him bounce back from this. Yeah, I mean, the looks are there. It's just a matter of just not quite... I don't know exactly why these shots aren't going in, especially after seemingly finding his stride, like we already said. that That's what's kind of discouraging is we're like he's gonna find a stride gonna find a stride seems like he found a stride and I was like oh maybe not quite yet but I ha- I think he'll find a stride hopefully soon <laughs> I- I'm holding on to he's gonna find a sh- he's a certified shooter and he's gonna keep shooting uh, and I hope and pray that they go in <laughs> I've seen a lot of people and I don't mean to bring up comment sections too much because here at the two three we like to keep things positive as as possible but I've seen a lot of people already write off Cole and do you think that that's fair to do this early in the season I don't think so people have been people are writing him off you know after the first few games and it's just unfair and they don't really look into everything he's doing yeah that's that's ridiculous obviously like you can't even give that too much light because it's just like come on bro what are you talking about to kind of go back into the comments (laughs) A little bit. Joe ended up having a very cold game, even more cold than uh, Cole. Only three <laughs> points on the day. And a lot of people were mentioning that Samir should start over Joe. That because of this performance, Samir, you know, really proved that he could be he could he could be the starter, which I gotta tell you, I've given Joe a lot of grief over the past couple of years, Zach. And I think you and I both agree that that probably should not be the case. Yeah, it's just a bummer that we're just caught up in this year, year again, where it's, you know, Joe has a bad game or struggling. Like obviously, like he had a he had he had a very rough game. You know, only scoring three points. I mean, luckily he only had a few attempts, one for five. So it's not like he's ch- chucking up twenty shots and just missing. So at least there's that. 
I mean, hopefully, I guess you would like him to have more shots and, you know, make them. But it's just a bummer that we keep on going in this into this mindset where people are saying Joe shouldn't play. I do want to bring up one more thing about Samir because you you had mentioned it. In one of the games, uh, what did you say, Zach? In one of the games, you had, you had made a note that Samir had driven in, didn't pass the ball out to Joe, and Jim said what to, to Samir? I don't know if this is, this is lip reading, and maybe my lip reading isn't very good here, so like keep this with a grain of salt. But this was, I believe, against Cornell or Brown. One of, one of the Ivy League games, there was like a little break, like Samir had a little breakaway where it was like 2v1 or like 2v with a trailer. So like kind of 2v2, but anyway, a breakaway. He had Joe open leading to the to the rim and Samir just took it took it himself and missed. And after that was a timeout and <laughs> Jim looks at him and from what I could understood, he he said, Samir, you can't shoot past the ball. <laughs> Which is tough. That's really tough. I really hope that that isn't right. I hope that our lip reading skills are not very good, but he was mad at Samir. I can tell you that. What he said exactly, I'm not sure, but what it looked like he, you know, more or less said, pass the ball. I really hope that it's just that our lip reading skills are poor. We're not John Boy. We're not professional lip readers, but in a sense, I do get that because you do have to kind of dish it out to your shooters. But for Samir, like, we felt so bad for him here at the 2-3 because this man cannot buy a bucket. There's so many takes that he has that it looks like it's an easy layup and he just he just smokes it. There's no other way to put it. He just he can't he can't get it in. So I do get that. If that is the case, I do understand you do have to get the ball to your shooters, even if your shooters are having a bad day, which in this case I'm sure that Joe probably wasn't, depending on which game it was, but either way, pretty pretty, pretty rough for Samir to be getting a scolding too from, uh, for Jim for that. I don't really know why he's in the doghouse this early, Zach. This is pretty early in the season to already be in the doghouse. We do have to give Samir some credit because he is making some shots. He had a three against Brown. I don't know if you remember that, but that was beautiful. Yep. Love to see yep. that go in. He had a bucket against Virginia that we just watched. So he, he is scoring. It's, you know, very limited. So it's not like he can't score. But, I mean, obviously, I'm sure if you watch the game, there are times where he has great drives to the rim and it just doesn't quite make it in the rim. So Something that we saw from the past three games since we've been gone that I think is getting swept under the rug as a, little, a little bit is the playtime that Benny Williams has been getting. Florida State, Villanova, and Georgetown, he got two minutes, three minutes, and four minutes, respectively. Against Brown, Cornell, and uh, Virginia, he got 17, 14, and 12. So my question to you is, what are you seeing out of Benny that is sort of, I guess, validating his, you know, more of his playtime? Are you seeing him improving a little bit? Yeah, I mean, he, he's still getting, like, these one or two plays. He had, like, a block. He had a really good alley-oop dunk against Brown or Cornell. I can't remember which one from Samir. A beautiful, beautiful, beautiful alley-oop pass from Samir. Absolutely. It was, it was gorgeous. 
which was great to see. Was hoping that would get him fired up. And it's just he's just having the little moments and of which we've already seen against where they have blocks early in the season where he has like these great moments of just pure athleticism. You're like, wow. Imagine if he was doing this all the time. So it's just another glimpses of that. I feel like he he hasn't like truly broken out quite yet. But I don't know. I'm happy that he's getting, you know, a bit more time. Honestly, I think what it comes down to is just I don't know. I, I don't want to compare it to I kind of feel like he's I'm not going to say 100%, but he, this kind of reminds me of like, two, in a way, maybe like a Markel Fultz situation where like, just psychologically, just maybe it's the confidence. He's maybe a little bit timid of a guy in general where he's just not, since since he since there's so many other guys on this team that could score, he's like, he's, he's more pass first, let the other guys score. He's just not really looking for himself as much. Not to say it's to the degree of Marco Foles, but it just kind of reminds me like something's going on, I feel like. Do you think it could be just because he's a freshman and maybe he just needs a little bit to kind of get used to the system and get used to the the play style? Yeah, I mean, that, that's, I mean, that simply could be part of it too. I know a lot of people are expecting so much from him. You know, he's a five-star recruit, like, I don't see that right now. Like, come on. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like expectations out there. There's a lot of people wanting way more. And maybe that's just ridiculous to ask for. I don't know. The one thing that I do see out of him is that he does look a little bit lost in the zone at times. He will leave people wide open on that arc. But I feel like we probably see that out of all the freshmen that come in through the system. Because going from a man-to-man for probably your whole basketball career to switching to a 2-3 has got to be more difficult than I think people give players credit to. And to make that adjustment when you're getting not too many, like not too many minutes to the point where you're starting, you know, you're only getting maybe like 10 minutes a game or something like that. Maybe like 15 has got to be pretty difficult for a freshman. Yeah. I mean, and there's, there's, there's obviously there's freshmen that are leading scorers, all American, all conference players at Duke and other top programs, but there's also five-star recruits that are not playing at all. So there's a huge range. I think the the, the thing is that there's just this false expectation or un, unrealistic expectation for him, particularly and just in general for you know this freshman standout. The final guy that I want to highlight from this Virginia game is the final starter in our roster that is Jesse Edwards and one thing that you and I talked about again before we hit record was the fact that Jesse we seem to not be going to Jesse as much as we have in the past couple games yeah I mean he's still like averaging just about 10 points a game these last three games like if not quite 10 like eight or nine can't remember all of his stat line there but he's he's just about 10 which is I'll take that from the center position any day of the week. But it does feel like quite a shift in his looks compared to after Bahamas breakout. We're not going to him as much. After his Bahamas breakout, it felt like it was just like feed Jesse. And it was working well. He was, you know, scoring, you know, mid-teens to even high-teens in points. And now I feel like we're kind of reluctant a bit to go to him. Obviously, we still are a little bit, but just not to the same degree. So... I don't know if that's 
a coaching decision or guys are going to other people or what, but it kind of makes me wonder if maybe we should feed our guy Jesse a little bit more. Well, it does show on the stat line too, from Arizona State to Indiana. So basically the end of November, I mean, he was averaging around like 18 a game. And then for the entire month of December and the the last game against Virginia, again, like you said, he's averaging around 10 points. So it could be that he's just not getting as many plays or it could be that maybe we're trying to force too many shots or something like that. I'm not really sure. I don't think it's necessarily a coaching decision because I can't really, f- I, I don't know why it would be because Jesse's been doing everything right. But the one thing that I am worried about is we're looking at foul trouble again against Cornell fouled out against Virginia fouled out. So that could be maybe something that maybe Jim just isn't confident that he's not going to, you know, draw a foul or something or that he's going to cause a foul. But I can't imagine why that would be. But again, that is something to highlight is Jesse needs to stop fouling. It is becoming a little bit of an issue again. Yeah, especially a game like Cornell. Obviously, that wasn't like a freebie like everyone expects it to be. That was quite the dogfight at the end of the day. I mean, obviously, we win by a decent margin, but it was aggressive. They pressed the whole game. So it's inevitable that fouls are going to happen, and obviously in any game, but especially, you know, a competitive full-court press game like that. But it's just, we can't keep on going into these games where we lose Jesse too early. When we lose Jesse, we're just forced to be in a a rough position. And some games we make it out alive against Indiana, we make it out alive, but it's just, it's just, we can't lose them. And again, no disrespect to Frank or even Barama at this point, because we did see Barama come Brahma. in as well. We forgot to we forgot to mention that. But they're not they're not Jesse. Like Jesse has shown this year that he can be a a valuable starter and player for this team. He's shown that in a couple of games that if Jesse's clicking on all cylinders we look almost unstoppable underneath the rim on offense. So no disrespect to Frank and, and Barama, but they don't really provide that energy that Jesse can underneath the hoop. Yeah. Jesse's our clear number one. Obviously Frank did have that one game in his first half where it seemed like, Whoa, Frank is, who is this guy in a way? Cause he was yeah. just playing so great. Got some great minutes, got some great looks, but obviously like you, like we say, like we said, Jesse is clearly the number one guy. And we got to give a quick, another shout out to Brahma. He, he finally is back on the court, which was just so great to see. I really am worried that I, I really don't think that we can expect too much from him this year. Unfortunately, he just doesn't seem fully quite there, but nonetheless, it's great to see him back playing a little bit and, you know, obviously continue to be with the team. So from the past five games, we are two and three, two wins, three losses. Heading into Miami, who is, again, a very, very solid opponent. They are overall 11 and three on the year, three and zero in conference play. How are you feeling about this team kind of heading into 2022? Yeah, we keep on going with these dips and valleys. You know, we after we have the Indiana and Florida State win, we're feeling good. Then we lose to Villanova and then Georgetown. Then we have like a break. We know the COVID pause. All right, we can get some exhibition games, or not exhibition, we can get some 
a few more non-conference, you know, easy games against Brown and Cornell. All right, we're feeling good. And then we lose to Virginia. <laughs> so we keep on going back and forth, getting a few wins, feeling like, okay, maybe we figure things out. But then we go back out and lose again. So it's a tough thing. And Miami is a, is a really kind of like a sleeper team in the ACC. They're, they're playing great. And that's going to be a really, really tough matchup at Miami too. And then at Wake Forest after that, and Wake Forest is undefeated at home this year. They're 8-0 at home. But one team that you would kind of compare us to is the 2016 team that ended up making it to the NIT. And we were talking about how much we don't care about the NIT and how much that team looked like they didn't care about the NIT. But pretty interesting comparison, and I got to agree with you. This team does kind of remind you of that 2016 team that ended up not making March Madness. Yeah, this is the John Gillen, Andrew White, Tyrell Lydon last year team that they had a great win against Duke and I think like North Carolina, some really great wins, but just ultimately not enough to make to the big dance. I'm just worried that we're in the same formula this year with transfers and, you know, still great talent. Obviously, you know, John Gillen and Andrew White, great talent, but just... I don't know. It feels like we're on a similar path, which is kind of worrisome. It feels like this team is one big win away from fully clicking. We have not seen this team fire on all cylinders yet. And I truly believe that with some of the wins that we've had, it's looked like we have been very close to seeing what this team can fully do. But I I don't think that we have fully seen what this team is capable of because we've become so reliant on Buddy having a great game and who's the number two that's going to step up if Buddy doesn't have a great game. Is it going to be Jimmy? Is it going to be Joe? Is it going to be Jesse? Is it going to be Cole? Who, you know, who knows? We need a a valuable number two to step up. And I, I feel like we haven't had a consistent person actually have that yet actually bring that to the table yeah we haven't quite found that yet and guys keep on flowing around where someone's struggling then everyone then we, we have like one or two guys a game that are have a really solid performance it seems like and then one of then the third or fourth guy isn't quite providing enough to make it happen and i feel like we keep on falling into this trap where two guys are playing really well and then the other two guys that we need to score are struggling a little bit and that's ultimately the difference maker to win offensively expectations heading into Miami what do you think that Cole is going to drop on the Hurricanes I mean he's he's going to stay consistent with what he's doing so far and you got to respect and, and love that he, he's shooting he, he's a confident shooter shooters are going to shoot and he, he doesn't stop if he if the look is open it's a good look he's going to shoot it and you got to respect and love love that so he's going to continue to shoot and hopefully they go in. I fully agree with you. That game on the ACC Network at 8 p.m. on Wednesday, January 5th. But before we wrap up, we do need to give a very quick shout out to Chris Lavelle, who, by the way, that was a nifty move that he had against Brown. That was dirty. He put that, oh man, that was that was pretty what he did, but... Really, really big shout out to uh, to him and obviously everything that he's been through um, with his mom's passing and how much she meant to the program. Really, really cool to see that. 
yeah, have to give a shout out there. It was absolutely beautiful. I just love I love the confidence too because he had a similar take right before the take he he made, and he's like, "Yo, it was it was a close miss." He got the ball again, top of the, top of the key, and he's like, "I'm gonna go at it again," and he made it. It was it's beautiful to see, and obviously, like you said, with 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 all it means as well to him and the program and his family, it was this beautiful thing. We got to give it a shout out. I think what was the best moment of that was to see like what the bench was doing yes. after they exploded after that. It was wild. And, I mean, you can't blame them. It was such a dirty move that. I, I I saw him put him up, saw him put it up, and I was like, there's no way that that falls. And it fell. And it was so impressive to see that, man. He was he was nifty gliding his way through there. Yeah, the dome erupted, the bench erupted, and all around is a beautiful moment. So, way to go, Chris. That's going to do it for us. Again, ACC Network on Wednesday, January 5th against the Miami Hurricanes. That'll do it for us. We will see you later, hopefully with a dub. Let's go Cuse.